Welcome to IB Talk, the leading podcast for the insurance industry across the United States, brought to you by Insurance Business. This episode is presented in partnership with Axis. In the latest episode of IBA Talk, Sam Walsh, head of US Renewable Energy at Axis, joins us to discuss everything you need to know about risk and resilience in the renewable energy industry. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to IB Talk, the insurance industry podcast brought to you in association with Axis, a global specialty insurer and reinsurer. I'm Paul Lucas, IB's global editor, stepping into the hot seat once more. And I've got to be honest, I'm feeling full of energy. The only problem I have is that my energy bursts normally last around the length of a podcast and cost me the price of a coffee. If only I had a renewable energy source. Well, I may not have one, but homes and businesses across the US are certainly embracing the renewable energy concept. We see it all around us, don't we? Wind farms off the coastline, solar panels on roofs, hydroelectric power generation in locations like Washington, Virginia and New York. But of course, with any new industry, there are inherently a host of risks too. And that's where insurance comes in. And more specifically, that's where today's edition of IB Talk comes in. Uh, Why? Because today's guest is none other than Sam Walsh, head of US renewable energy at Axis. And he's going to tell you all you need to know about risk and resilience in the renewable energy industry. Uh, Sam, welcome to IB Talk. All right, Paul. Thanks for having me. Uh, so to get us started, Sam, uh, give us just a, a little overview, if you would, of the renewable energy market, how much it's grown and, and what's behind the surge as well. Yeah. So I uh, I began in the industry back in 2009, coming off of the, the financial crisis and then the Recovery Act. There was a lot of funding for renewable energy, and that was coupled with a lot of states introducing their own either renewable portfolio standards requiring a certain amount of energy to be generated from renewable sources or having their own incentive structure. And so in the early 2010s, that was a really big driver of growth in different parts of the country. And at the same time, especially for solar and wind energy, there was a precipitous decline in the cost of building these projects and the cost of equipment. And so the influx of money and incentives coupled with the, the price of, uh, of these energy sources coming down really led to a lot of growth over that decade. And it continues today. We're seeing just last year, the Inflation Reduction Act was passed, and that promises a new influx of capital that is generating a lot of interest. And in what we are seeing or expecting to be is a lot of growth. Yeah, no doubt, a, a tremendous amount of growth. And but how successfully would you say that the the insurance industry has has responded to this growth, um, and and how is it matching the needs of the sector as well? Yeah, it's interesting. I think again, when I first started my career, there was only a handful of insurers that were really focused on this space. I think there was sort of different companies were slow to come around to it, and so different specialty insurers really were the ones who emerged as the the ones to focus on this segment. Some of the more traditional insurance carriers would dip their toe in, but they might experience a large loss. And because more traditional power gen was a much bigger portion of their, their book of business, the premium income they were generating, they weren't necessarily committed to this space. So yeah, over, over the 2010s, there was a long period of a, a handful of companies really sort of dominating the industry. But I would say as renewable energy has, a, has really matured as an asset class, We've seen the interest from more established companies coming in, 
there's much uh, there's many more capital providers who are are in this space now and are adapting their product offerings to meet the needs of renewable energy projects. So it took some time to really ramp up, but I think we're in an age now where renewable energy is a is a you know it's a major growth sector right now, and it's for you know it's a we're expecting it to be in the years to come, and in turn that's drawn a lot more interest than maybe wasn't there a decade ago. Yeah, absolutely. But I imagine that alongside that, when you get such a a rapid pace of change, um, that has to bring challenges too, doesn't it? Definitely. And you know, uh, from the perspective of an insurer, th- there's a lot to be learned along the way, especially as there's new technology coming down the pike, um, lots of new updates. You know, as I was saying, sort of in the beginning of my career, I really focused on wind and solar energy projects. Now, battery energy storage is a main part of the mix. And, you know, the way that we've learned along the on, along the years has been through the loss experience that we've taken on. There's been different events, different technologies that have not held up well. Weather events are getting more common, more severe, but also more erratic in nature. And so that drives the losses that we are seeing. And so, yes, the, the rapid pace has meant that we've grown a lot in terms of the number of accounts and the premium that we're writing. But it also means that we're seeing a number of large losses as well. Um, and that's when it's our responsibility to step up, make our insurance whole, and continue the growth of the industry. Yeah, well, just talk to us, if you would, uh, a little bit more about some of the risks that the sector faces. I mean, you, you touched there, for example, on, on weather patterns. I'm, I'm assuming that that has to be near the top of the list. Yeah, uh, very much so. So, uh, you know, when I was sort of first starting out uh, with wind and solar being the main ones, Wind was a, a, a you know a unique asset class in terms of these are large turbines, multi-million dollar pieces of equipment, um, 100 plus feet in the air, lots of moving parts. You need a crane to service them when something needs to be fixed. Whereas solar was sort of a nice you know asset class to help balance that out, low to the ground, minimal moving parts, some electrical mechanical breakdown concerns, but for the most part, they held up really well. But over time, as more and more have been built, more and more projects have been subjected to severe weather events. And I think what we've noticed is beyond sort of the traditional three main catastrophic concerns of flood, earthquake, and windstorm, we've really started to see the emergence of severe convective storm as a major driver of loss. Lightning issues can plague uh, wind turbines, especially if their lightning protection systems are not functioning appropriately. But when it comes to solar, we've we've seen a number of very large hail losses over the past five years. And at the same time, there's a lot of growth in places like Texas, which is very exposed to these different concerns. So again, we need to find ways to foster the growth, to meet the needs of our insureds. But at the same time, we have to manage the risk and make sure that we are not taking on so much that we would be in a position where you know, too many losses come in um, and makes it unsustainable for us to write this business. Yeah. So, so weather then probably at, at the very top of, of the list. But what about the the political and, and regulatory landscape as well? Does does that play a part here as well? It certainly does. Most of our insureds, you know, they're not sort of turning on a dime. This is, you know, these projects are planned out years in advance. But in general, the incentive structures that, that are uh, provided by the government, um, the regulatory process how easy states make it for projects to come online, the backlog to be interconnected to the grid, all of these things factor into the growth here. Um, But again, with the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act this past year, that will certainly be leading to growth in the the near future. 
I mean, interestingly enough, I mean, uh, we, we've got colleagues who are based in London and Europe and with the U.S. sort of having led the charge with the, the IRA, it's also led to, you know, countries abroad who don't want to get left behind and are coming up with their own incentive plans to make sure that they're not losing out on manufacturing or projects that are, you know, maybe moving over to the U.S. They want to create the, those same incentives. So it's interesting where it can sort of have a snowball effect when when one country steps up to really support the industry, you'll you'll see others fall in line to do the same. So Sam, as well, I mean, I, I don't think I can have a conversation uh, with anybody in 2023 uh, without talking a little bit about inflation. Uh, presumably, the industry has has also been impacted by inflation, the, the macroeconomic environment as well. Uh, what sort of issues have you seen? Yeah, I mean, renewable energy certainly uh, had its issues with supply chain issues. Um, I think where inflation has really come into play is that, you know, the past decade has really been marked by a decline in pricing, a, a, you know, a decline in the replacement cost of this equipment. And so, you know, our insureds have been used to year over year reassessing their valuation of their projects. That has come down over time as the cost to, you know, build a new solar project or a wind project has come down. But in the past two years, there's been a bit of a switch there where some of the costs have plateaued, if not even gone up as well. And it's really critical that insureds work with their brokers to make sure that they are establishing the appropriate replacement cost for their equipment. You know, you don't want to be in a position where you are underinsuring, and then in the event of a loss, you've set up a cost in your policy where you think you can replace it for this much, only to find that it's going to be significantly more and there may be a gap in your coverage. So it's really critical that insureds and brokers work together to stay on top of the valuations that are being used, having an understanding of what it would cost to, you know, order a, a single piece of equipment midterm versus, you know, a bulk order at the outset of building a project. Uh, so I think it's certainly been a, a learning period over the past few years. We're also now facing, you know, uh, just there's such high demand now. For example, battery energy storage has been a, an area of major growth over the past three years, but that is directly competing with the electrical vehicle market. And so, again, the elements that go into batteries are in high demand. That's going to have pressures on costs, and that will have an impact on growth. So we need to make sure that as the demand ramps up, so does the supply and in turn keep the costs at a you know at a level in which they can continue to support significant growth and not be a hindrance to it so just to zoom in on on the brokers out there as well what would you say are the the main steps that they can take to support the renewable energy clients yeah i mean from my perspective i mean i think the most critical thing is getting in with your insureds early on in the process so if that's at the outset of building a new project, making sure that you're working with them, especially in the budgeting stage. Um, insurance is one of those ongoing costs throughout the life cycle of a project. It's a critical component to make sure that you can lock in your financing. But what you don't want to be in a position as an insured is if you, you know, you're budgeting a number, you chuck it in there, it's meant to last you for the, you know, let's say the 20-year life cycle of a project. And yet you haven't factored in the, uh, the high risk of your location or some of the design concerns around your project. A broker is going to be really well suited to help provide guidance to say if something is realistic or not. And you want that early on in the project. No one wants to get close to the finish line only to discover that their budget is notably out of whack because insurance is actually going to be a multiple of what they originally had had set out. 
So getting in early and establishing that relationship is critical. I think there's also needs to be an understanding that this isn't just a, a simple, insurance isn't just a simple commodity here. It really has to be specialized in addressing the bespoke needs of these, of these uh, projects. A lot of uh, the specialty product forms have a phased handover operational coverage during the course of construction. You know, that's meant to meet the needs of a, a wind project where they might be bringing a single turbine online at a time, commissioning it. It's able to generate revenue. And so during that sort of phased handover interim operational period, they can still have coverage. They can still be made whole for their loss of revenue. And some of those types of bespoke coverages are embedded into the forms and that those are quite critical. So a broker just wants to make sure that they are really adapting the coverage that they are getting for their insured to make sure that it's really meeting their needs. Yeah. And, and just tell us a little bit about Axis' proposition as well. I mean, what are you doing to, to stand out in this field? Yeah. So we've been in this space for over 14 years now. And it, it, we don't just come at it from an underwriting perspective. Um, and while we do have underwriters across the globe, the other elements that are very critical to making sure that we meet the needs of our insureds is we have a dedicated claims team that solely focuses on renewable energy losses. You know, that's what we are here to do. We are here to pay claims when, you know, bad events occur and make our insureds whole, get them back up and running. And you want to have a claims team that is knowledgeable. You want to make sure that they are working with third-party loss adjusters who are familiar with the technology, who know how to respond when there is an issue at site. So making sure you're working with people who can really step up at a time when you most need insurance to is critical. Additionally, and especially in support of our underwriting efforts, we've built out an engineering team here at Access. Some have specialty in offshore wind, some have it with battery energy storage technology. But as somebody who has been an underwriter for close to 15 years now, but does not have an engineering background, it's really critical to be able to rely on that type of expertise. You know, they're able to review new technology types. They're able to review site design, what sort of steps are being taken to mitigate against the worst risks at a site. So from my end, that has proven to be a really invaluable piece of this because it has been changing so quickly. There has been an influx of new technologies and new designs, and it's very hard to keep up with. So having educated, intelligent people that you can rely on to help inform the decisions you're making from that standpoint, that has proven to be, I think, really critical as a way to set ourselves out and separately from some of our, you know, our competitors. Yeah, absolutely vital to have the, the right partner. Um, Sam, you've been very, very generous with your time with us today. Uh, just one final question to throw at you, if I may. Um, any upcoming trends that our, our listeners should be looking out for in this space? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to rehash what I've just gone through, but I think it is, I mean, we are continuing to see the rollout of new different technologies, technologies that are being upgraded or improved upon. You know, wind turbines continue to get larger. They're able to produce more energy, but at the same time, you know, as they get larger, that equipment is more expensive. Cranes need to be larger to service them. They're more difficult to transport, especially to sort of uh, remote sites that don't maybe have the best infrastructure for getting to them. So I think it's critical that you stay on top of the different technology types that are coming through and make sure that you go into underwriting and taking those risks on knowledgeably and not overexposing yourself. Additionally, we've talked about weather, but that continues to be an issue, especially as weather patterns uh, with climate change are getting more erratic. They're also more severe. 
again, you know, in the past, I think the more historical concerns had been things like hurricanes and earthquakes and flooding, but we're also seeing tornadoes and hail at places where you didn't anticipate them. Wildfires are, you know, popping up and becoming more severe. So I think making sure that we have a, a full understanding of what sort of exposures these projects are taking on and how they're mitigating against them is a very critical component. And then lastly, I would just say there needs to be open communication between all of the stakeholders. And that doesn't just mean insurers and brokers and insured, but it also means the manufacturers, the O&M providers. We all have a vested interest in making sure that this is an industry that continues to flourish and continues to grow. But we're only going to be able to do that by sharing the information and establishing new best practices along the way. You know, as an insurer, we're, we're in a unique position to, to see sort of the events that affect a number of different parties. And so we do our best to try to collate that data, bring it together, and then present it back to the industry and share the lessons learned, share the trends we're seeing. You know, we post briefing papers on LinkedIn. We, we send out letters to our broker partners, you know, this is data that I think benefits us all if we can be aware of it and if we can learn from it. So I think, again, making sure it's an open environment, I think that will help power the industry forward in the years to come. Yeah, fantastic insights, Sam. Fantastic message as well. Uh, thank you very much indeed for joining us and, and thanks too to Axis for, for giving us your time today. Uh, to everyone listening, we hope that you've been taking notes, but if you do have any further questions, uh, then please reach out to Sam and the Axis team at sam.walsh at axiscapital.com. And we look forward to you joining us again next time right here on IB Talk. Thank you for listening to this episode of IB Talk. For more from Sam and the team at Access, visit them at accesscapital.com forward slash insurance. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on all major listening channels.